SAFM Sports Wrap. Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap. Thanks to the MoneyWeb team as well for that great show. Uh, big, important day as well in the overall scheme of things as far as the country goes. Big sporting day too. Lots to get through tonight. We'll be chatting Super Rugby. That gets underway tomorrow, the start of the season. We'll also look back at uh, the second 1A International between the Proteas and New Zealand that took place this morning. We'll chat uh, some golf. The Joburg Open gets uh, teed off tomorrow morning. And we'll also take a look at the UEFA Champions League action that's taking place uh, tonight and what happened last night. But there's also some Absa Premiership football to look forward to this evening. Supersport United take on Maritzburg United. Bidvest Vitz play Barocca FC. Supersport United coach Stuart Baxter says he knows they're in for a tough clash. Difficult, always difficult. I mean, look, you could ask me any team in the league and my, my, my answer would probably be first, a difficult game. Because... Now there are no easy games in the league. In Chiefs against Highlands Park, was that an easy game? No, not at all. On paper it is for them, but reality is not that. Highlands Park are a decent team and that's, and that's what we have. Now we have Maritzburg, who have changed coach, and I saw them against Chiefs and they weren't that bad. You know? and, I, and I know Roger, and I know Roger I've been wicked up for, for the game against us, so it'll be difficult. Following their second leg 2-1 CAF Confederation Cup triumph uh, at home this past weekend, they'll be bristling with confidence, but their last league encounter, they dropped to fourth place on the log after their goalless draw against the struggling Free State Stars away from home. Matatanta are three points behind current log leaders, Kaiser Chiefs, and they'll be looking to close the gap. Baxter stresses that uh, they need to be resilient if they are to pick up league honours. It's going to be tight, it's going to be tight, and look at what happened with the Orlando Pirates. That can happen, yeah, well, with us, that can happen. And it, it's happened to Sundowns, it's, and it's happened to Chiefs, and it's just, you know, what surprises me now is that people are surprised. You know, it's just a question of, it happens, and you've got to deal with all of that. And some of them, some people don't, and then they fall away. And some people do, and they stick in. And, they, and, the, and some people fall away, then come back, Manchester City. You know, you thought one stage, Manchester City, ah, they but no, now they're back in shape, you know, so... That's what we've got to do. We've got to keep responding to everything. We've got to, all the challenges of, of CAF. We've got to keep responding to get a settled team again and respond when we get a disappointment in the league to come back and, uh, and show that we, we're resilient. And that's the team that's most resilient will probably win the league. And uh, staying with domestic football news, Kaiser Chiefs, uh, Kaiser Chiefs rather announced today that George Malulek has returned to full training ahead of their clash with Ajax Cape Town. On to news out of England, uh, midfielder Adam Lallana is set to sign a new Liverpool contract in the next 24 hours. They'll keep him at the club until 2021. Seventh rugby news, Blitzbach all-time leading point scorer Cecil Africa has been named in their 13-man squad that'll travel for the North American leg of the HSBC World 7 Series. And in some cricket news, Australia beat Sri Lanka in the third T20 international earlier today by 41 runs. Talking of cricket, uh, the Proteas lost the second ODI against the Black Caps. We'll touch base with Johan Leroux next. SAFM Sports Wrap. This is SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader, and uh, it was a very exciting conclusion to uh, the second one-day international between the Proteas and New Zealand. It took place at the Hagley Oval in Christchurch uh, this morning, South African time, and uh, went down to the wire. We're joined now by Johan Leroux. Johan, welcome onto the show once again. 1-1 it is. Uh, the Black Cat victorious over the, uh, over the Proteas. 
Thanks, Brad. Yeah, another thrilling match. Uh, we had one on, on Sunday, which was absolutely terrific to see the match go right down to the final over. This one as well. So this series level, unfortunately, for South Africa, not able to extend that winning streak and to break their of most consecutive wins, so that winning run comes to an end at 12. But like Avi de Villiers said uh, during the build-up to this match, that, uh, that winning record had to come to an end at some point. So the Proteas won't be too disappointed with that. And also for the sake of the series, absolutely terrific to see it tied at 1-1, and let's hope that it does go down to the wire, and let's hope that uh, South Africa will find themselves in more pressure situations leading up to that Champions Trophy, because uh, we've seen it in the past where South Africa have shown good form, but uh, when it comes to the big tournaments, they just don't have that big match temperament, and they've shown in uh, on Sunday's match that they definitely do that, have that, but unfortunately today some of the all-rounders and, and middle order just not able to see the job through. Uh, great performance by Dwayne Pretorius. I thought he was South Africa's top performer in the match. Uh, he scored 50 off of 27. He also picked up two key wickets. Uh, but uh, just around him, David Miller not able to get the job done. Chris Morris was unfortunate to be run out. And uh, Wayne Parnell just not able to play his part as an all-rounder. And Dile Pechukwai, good as off of City 4, but unfortunately for him in that final over, he just wasn't able to deal with the Yorkers, uh, and credit to the New Zealand bowlers as well, terrific death bowling at the end. Yeah, Johan, just looking at the two batting scorecards, obviously New Zealand were batting first, and they posted 289, the standout innings there was from uh, the veteran Ross Taylor, uh, he scored 102, Kane Williamson uh, 69, and Ross Taylor's innings essentially was the difference between the two teams. If you look at the South African scorecard, pretty much the entire top order and essentially the middle order getting in and then getting out. I mean, everybody got double figures right through to Dwayne Pretorius. The only two batsmen that didn't uh, was uh, Chris Morrison and Wayne Parnell. And that says a lot. Someone had to kick on if we were to win that game. Yeah, that really was the difference. That that, uh, that hundred that Ross Taylor scored, but also that partnership between himself and and Kane Williamson as well. And as you look at the Proteas uh, lineup as well, as you mentioned, most of them getting starts, but none of them able to turn it into a big score. Then we've relied on the Proteas uh, to reach these big totals. Uh, Two ninety is not a, a, a small total to chase. Uh, we've always had someone like Hashimamla, Quinton Lecoq, or Fafsiblisi step up and, and turn their start into a triple century. Unfortunately, today it wasn't to be, but also we can't be too critical on the Proteas. I mean, they've had such a great run, and unfortunately for them today, it just didn't come together. I also saw Neil McKenzie, the batting coach, say uh, during the course of this week that they want to create that perfect game, but they want to make sure that they play that perfect game when it comes to a must-win scenario, for example, a semi-final or a final. And uh, unfortunately for them today, it, it wasn't one of those, those perfect games that they were able to create. But again, it's, it's an ODI series. It's away from home. So it's not too much to be disappointed with uh, because they did give themselves, uh, keep themselves in with a shot up until the final over, just not able to see it over the line at the end. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, the Proteas will be disappointed. And, and like you say, New Zealand are no mugs. They, they are a great side. They've just come off a series win against Australia. They did beat South Africa in the semi-final of the last World Cup. So they, they're a, a very, very good uh, one-day international side. Series leveled at one apiece now. There's lots to play for. What will the Proteas want to be improving on out of this performance? I think the first thing that they'll have to do is to make sure how to bounce back after a defeat. This ODI team hasn't lost in a long time. So this is going to be a bit of a, a strange feeling for them. Uh, the last time that they lost in ODI was, I think it was in, in June, July, during that uh, series in the West Indies. So first thing, they'll have to pick themselves up from this defeat and just get back to getting the basics right and just to make sure that mentally they don't 
uh, get into this habit of, of that, that losing mentality, but I'm sure this is a classy team that they won't really fall into to those kind of, that kind of thinking. And then just to kind of pick yourself up and, and do better in, in the next game. And like I said, there wasn't too much that the Proteas did wrong in this match. Uh, even if you look at the bowling, some of the bowlers a little bit... Ex- as we mentioned as well, the batting lineup, uh, nobody really failing with the bat. It's just going back to the basics and making sure that they pick themselves up for this next match. And plenty, of, uh, plenty to play for still. Uh, the third ODI taking place on the 25th of February. That's going to be in Wellington. Then they head to Hamilton. And then the, the ODI series concludes in Auckland. And uh, I'm sure for South Africa now the focus is just to make sure that they at least win the ODI series. Looking at uh, selection-wise, uh, you, you mentioned Wade Parnell, who, who got a duck today. He did come in under tons of pressure. He wasn't great with the ball again today. Picking up one, he, was, he went for just over six runs to the over. There's been lots of questions about his selection in the side. Do you, do you think that's going to be questioned at any stage? Uh, will they keep backing him? I know we've seen him come in and out of the side on, on numerous occasions. Uh, He's a he's a he's an interesting one. Is he is he able to lift his game to that level? We've seen what he can do at the junior level. Is is he good enough to be playing senior national cricket? I think the aura still has these biggest question marks: is whether uh, which three all rounders he is going to play. Whether it's going to be Chris Morris, Wayne Pretorius, Wayne Parnell, Fahar Beardin. Uh, and, and even now Vernon Philander putting his name back into the mix, uh, I see that he's going to be playing for the Cape Cobras in their uh, Momentum One Day International. So uh, he's also going to be wanting to put his name up as a bowler, but also he can, he's no mug with the bat, and at the moment his batting averages might be, might be able to challenge Wayne Parnell. So yes, Wayne Parnell hasn't really been able to make that step up to international cricket too often. He's had a few good performances, but he hasn't been consistent enough. So I think if, if the Proteus coach is thinking about the ICC Champions Trophy, that's where he has to make some big decisions. And at the moment, if you're looking at current form, someone like Wayne Parnell will probably drop out. We also do need to mention, of course, that Kakisa Rabada didn't play in this match, and that did affect the bowling lineup. He's got a bit of a knee niggle. Let's hope that he's available for the rest of the ODI series. But we also... If, he, if he's playing and, and if he's not playing, the Proteas really do miss him. Uh, but I think it's just for Russell Domingo, it's just making sure that the three all-rounders that he does pick, he's very comfortable with them. And uh, unfortunately, at the moment, it does look like Wayne Parnell will be the automatic one to slip out. At the moment, Dwayne Pretorius is playing unbelievable cricket, even though he is the junior in the team. Uh, the last couple of matches, he's been outstanding, so you can't really drop him. But also, the coach will want to make sure that he is tested over the rest of the series, uh, just to make sure that he can handle the heat when it comes to some more match-winning situations. Absolutely. Honoru, thank you very much for that. Uh, you'll be keeping us updated throughout the rest of the series here on SAFM. Much appreciated. Sana, it was a very early start for you. You can go to bed now, uh, and we'll chat again <laughs> soon. Take care, mate. Thanks, Brad. This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. You're listening to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader, and uh, some good golf to look forward to if you're up in Gauteng this coming weekend. It all gets started tomorrow. Uh, the Joburg Open, it is uh, all been taking all taking place, rather, at the Royal Johannesburg and Kensington Golf Club. We're joined now by Michael Flismus, who is in Joburg. Uh, Michael, I know there's been lots of rain around, so... Uh, is that a big concern heading into the weekend? Yes, it is. There has been tremendous rain uh, that they've had here. And, uh, you you know, as much as the country needs rain, we never complain about rain, especially uh, the Cape needs a lot of it. 
that uh, you, you feel for the course uh, staff because, they, you know, the golf course was in pristine condition. They were ahead of schedule. They were ready for this tournament. And uh, then they got absolutely soaked. And, uh, you know, the bunkers take a beating. The entire course takes quite a beating. It's very wet underfoot. So uh, the tournament will obviously go ahead, and uh, but it just puts everybody on the course staff under so much more pressure to get it ready for uh, tomorrow's uh, first round, which they will do. But but still, this morning I was out there, and and the bunkers were still full of water, and and the grass certainly very very wet underfoot. Yeah, and there's two two issues here. Obviously, the forecast over the next four days, which uh, I know you're not a climatologist, but I, I'm sure there's been some talk around it. But even if it does clear up, the course must be so waterlogged and. And there's lots of sitting water, I'm sure. What does it look like? I mean, from a from a projected weather-wise, does it look like we're going to get four full days of golf? At this point, you know, at the beginning of the week, they had predicted that it was going to rain the entire week, so everybody knew there was it was going to be a challenge. Um, and 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 it's, I think the good thing is there wasn't any rain today. It started to drip a little bit now in the last hour or so, but but it but it nothing on what they've had before. So so there's been that bit of a breather, and of course, you know, the staff has had time to to sort of do their best in, in terms of that, uh, you know, the bunkering and and the greens and so on. But uh, but yes, it's, you know, it's all up to how much how much more rain that the next few days produces. There's, there there has been talk and predictions that there is going to be more. Um, you know, they they really are good in terms of getting getting tournaments done um, under these kind of conditions. But but the real challenge is is for that course staff to to make sure that it, it's playable and uh, and and yeah, obviously to get to get what is the largest field on the European Tour, 210 professionals, to get them through two golf courses in the first two days. You mentioned European Tour. It is sanctioned by the European Tour. Who, who are the contenders? Who are people expecting to be the favourites this weekend? Well, it, it, it's such a great field. You know, you've got, uh, you've got two, you know, you've got major champions in, in Yang Yang and, and Trevor Immelman. You've got Darren Clark is here. And you've got such a strong bunch of South Africans. George Kutia, Richard Sterney. Richard Sterney won this with a record of, of 27 under par in, in, in 2013. Um, you've got, um, you know, Hayden Porteous is back looking for a bit of form, but, but back at a venue that, that, that where he can get it. Brandon Stone is playing such good golf coming off that top 10 in Dubai. Um, had a bit of experience on the PGA Tour earlier this year as well. Um, he's feeling confident. You've got uh, the Gary Player class of 2017, the young black professionals, Makete Mazibuka, just just feeling you know so confident after losing in that playoff of the PGA Championship. So there, there's so many storylines and so many you know strong individuals coming into this event that uh, you know it, it's really hard to pick. And as Brandon Stone was saying as well earlier in the week. This is a golf course people know. The pros that come out here, 90-plus percent of the pros, even those from the Europeans, know these two courses really well, having played them. The South Africans know them intimately, having played them since junior golf days. So it's a question of anybody that catches a bit of form this week is going to really do well in this event. Michael, having the course as wet as it's going to be, will that change the dynamics at all? Obviously, you can go for the pins a lot easier because the ball won't run on those greens. It'll sit. But in saying that, too, you might lose a bit of distance because your drives will probably sit up on the fairway. It won't roll as much because of the the moisture. Uh, How are the players going to to approach this? Are we in for a low-scoring weekend? 
Well, that's, you know, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's, it's swings and roundabouts, you know. Um, they hit the ball so far in any case, um, and, and, and especially at such a high altitude, the ball travels very, very far. Yes, but now it's a lot wetter, and so you're not getting the kind of run on the fairways, but then by the same token, you're firing at those flags because the greens are a lot more receptive. So, so yes, I think you will see some pretty low scoring. Um, you know, pros love being able to, to really attack the pins, um, and, and, and that's what, you know, and, and when you've got soft greens, they can do that. So, um, it's, it's, it's a big field. It's a strong field. A lot of players feeding off a lot of confidence, as I said. I think, I think it'll, you know, it'll be tough in terms of either there are a lot of casual water out there and, and fairways getting no run, but I think you will see some pretty low scoring in terms of, in terms of them being able to go right at those pins. I'm willing to put money on it. Someone is going to get plugged on a green. Not even in the bunker. They will be playing from a plugged lie on a green. Am, am I, am I <laughs> in the right sort of vicinity here? I think it's going to happen. <laughs> There's a number of black lies out there at the moment. It really is. It's a, it's a challenge for all. Absolutely. Michael Flissmas, thank you very much. Uh, you'll be keeping us updated here on SAFM throughout the weekend. We look forward to it. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the golf tomorrow. Let's hope it uh, all runs smoothly and uh, it all sort of happens the way it should happen. We're looking forward to it. Thanks for your time tonight. Thanks, Brad. You're listening to Sport on SAFM, the next best thing to being at the game. Well, it all starts tomorrow, a brand new Super Rugby season, Super Rugby 2017. And, uh, yeah, similar format to last year with the conferences, but uh, one or two changes with regards to when the fixtures are being played. And you might be wondering, why are we talking Super Rugby on a Wednesday? Because it gets underway tomorrow, on a Thursday, which, uh, in my mind, is just weird. Uh, we join now by rugby journo, uh, Johan Ferreira. Johan, welcome back. Nice to, nice to touch base again. It's weird. Super Rugby on a Thursday. Who would have thought? Oh, yes, definitely. It's something to get used to, especially those of us who play Super Brew, because you now have to pick a day earlier. <laughs> but, uh, but, but it's, uh, Brad, for my, for my money, they can start on a Monday. Uh, it's, it's, it's long as they play and, and they can, uh, play for, for the, for the whole year. I, I, I can't wait for the start of Super Rugby, I must be honest. Let, let's talk about, uh, the, the two conferences. Obviously, last year it showed the, the teams who played the Kiwi teams, uh, intensity-wise were slightly better. And I'm talking about the Lions, the South African teams who, who then went through the Aussies and made it through the playoffs, went for a rude awakening. Uh, that all switches up this year. The teams that played the Aussies play the Kiwis and vice versa. So, uh, the likes of the Stormers and the Bulls, uh, they, they've got it tough this year. You know what, Brad? I, and it's not, it's really, it's easy to criticize, but I, I, I seriously don't like the format. I don't think it's a true reflection, taking nothing away from the lines, but I don't, I don't mm. think it's a, a true reflection of the power that is within, within the rugby system in the southern hemisphere. Um, I, I would like to see the lines do very well. They play an attractive brand of rugby, but for me personally, I just don't like the fact that we must reward some conference stable topping team to go into a, a playoff match just because they finished at the top of their pool. I think it should really be strength versus strength, and the points accumulated for me should be the reason why you go through, and not because I finished at the top of a conference, but if I take my points accumulated, I wouldn't even be in the top seven. Uh, on the joint points table. So, I personally, I don't like it. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I think uh, you, you end up diluting it. And uh, obviously, some of the teams, uh, I don't feel that they, they should be there. I'm not going to mention any. But, uh, yeah, you want strong teams playing against strong, strong teams for, for rugby to grow. But let's touch on a couple of the fixtures. The first one tomorrow, uh, Rebels against the Blues. Let's touch on the South African teams. The Sharks kick things off. Uh, they are away. Suncorp Stadium up against the Reds on uh, on Friday. 
Yeah, definitely. It's, it's going to be a, a good competition. I, I think the Sharks will be will be tested at the Suncorp Stadium. It's going to be a, a good clash for them. Um, always difficult to start a, a season away from home. There's no doubt about it, and especially overseas. But the Sharks will probably fancy that encounter. If they had to put their season down on paper, they would probably say, right, if we can get up to a, a good start and our season campaigners can, can put up their hand, this could be a picture that you would circle and say, we should be getting points here. Pat Lambie, leading from that fly-off position, Corbett Reynach is back in the setup. Really excited about that. Uh, the front row, Beeston Tawarira, season campaigner, Kerwin Bosch playing from the full-back position. They've announced their squad. Uh, Corbett von Weich also coming across from the Stormers, now looking to make an impact in a, in a Sharks jersey. Uh, the, the season campaigner, Andre Estraven at centre. Uh, it's just so much talent in that team. I think all around the South African teams are, are looking pretty sharp, but the Sharks... They need a good start. It was a disastrous 2016, no doubt about it. So no excuses. They need to get come away with, with something positive from, from their first outings. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sun will take on the Hurricanes of Brumbies away to Crusaders on Saturday. The Waratahs up against the Force. And then a, a couple of local derbies. The Cheetahs up against the Lions, Stormers and the Bulls. And the Kings are taking on the Jaguares uh, on uh, Saturday oh. afternoon as well. Uh, I think the, the local derbies are, are probably, the, the two in my mind, the two games of the weekend. If you're only going to watch two games, those are probably it. The Lions, Cheetahs, Stormers, Bulls. They're going to be two cracking oh. matches. Brad. Wrap your hands together and get excited because this is the weekend you want to be watching rugby. Seriously, I, I think there's been a lot said in the in the off season, um, a lot of team building. Unfortunately, some season campaigners out. You think of the Bulls, and you immediately a name like Adrian Strauss jumps out at you. He's still on the on, on the recovery list. He'll be out for a couple of weeks. So the Stormers have announced a new captain in Sia Kulisi with Eben Itzebe taking over the vice captaincy. So there's a bit of a, a shift. What sort of brand of rugby can we expect? It's still a north-south derby to get us started. The Cheetahs, Curry Cup champions of South Africa. Franco Smith has, has got this running game going up against the finalists from last year. They're playing the same sort of brand under Johan Ackermann. This is going to be, in my opinion, the, the, the Bloemfontein clash. Cheetahs Lions is going to be a humdinger. The King from Yaguaris, yeah, I hope that's going to be something to look at. I mean, the South American, we, I, I expected more from the South Americans last season. I think they're disappointed more than, more than anything else. So, so that, that could be a, a bit of an iffy clash. The teams could fancy themselves. They're considering, if, if they look at what the Aguaris brought to the party uh, in 2016, and then for me, Stormers, Bulls, man, what a way to round off uh, the first week of rugby. So if you are planning a, uh, all that I can say to the guys, and, and not, no discrimination against the girls, there's a lot of ladies that like rugby, but guys, I hope that you did a good job on Valentine's Day. <laughs> because if you didn't, don't even go and beg for the mic, uh, for the remote. Don't even think that you're going to spend half a day watching Super Rugby. For those who, who had a good effort, this is your negotiating tool. This is where you now go, remember 14 February, this is now means 14 February weekend. <laughs> so it all kicks off at quarter past six in the morning on Saturday, and it goes right through to nine o'clock at night. That, that is, that's Valentine's Day for me. <laughs> Johan Ferreira, thank you very much for that. Enjoy the rugby this weekend, and we look forward to, to catching up with you again soon. Shut back. Thank you. Enjoy it. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, lots of football to look forward to this evening. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we've got uh, some apps of Premiership uh, on the cards tonight, but there's also UEFA Champions League action uh, taking place. Uh, two very interesting fixtures last night, too, and we join now by football pundit Justin Turin. Justin, welcome on to the show once again. Nice to catch up. Gee, goals galore last night. Absolutely crazy. 
Yeah, I'm glad we're talking about uh, the goals from this week and not the goals from uh, last week in the Champions League. Spoken like a true Gunners fan, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd like to say, uh, very, very uh, goals galore last night. Very interesting games. Uh, from both the games. I mean, really, really, there was uh, eight games in the one and uh, eight goals in the one game and six goals in the other. So, I mean, all in all, we had uh, 16 or uh, 14 goals. My math is rather bad. Um, we had 14 goals in the two games, and uh, I was personally watching the City. Um, Monaco game, and I mean, it was just incredible. I, I, I couldn't believe the way that City came back so well, and I didn't really think they had it within it, them to do it, to end up winning the game 5-3, but such an incredible game, so open-ended, it just seemed to go from one end to the next, and um, I, I still think Monaco did well to get three away goals. I mean, uh, the more away goals we know in this competition, the more away goals you can get, the better. But they have got now a two-goal deficit that they need to make up at home, um, but yeah, obviously getting those three away goals was uh, super important, but uh, City just proving to be uh, much better than they were uh, last night, and I mean, again, you've got to you've got to just look at Aguero. I know him and uh, Pep Guardiola don't really get on too well, but I mean, Aguero just kind of proving that he is still a man to be uh, a force to be reckoned with at, at Man City, and I, I just can't believe that uh, Guardiola's, uh, from what I've read in the papers and stuff like that and online, that Guardiola's just so ready to, to let him go, and then, I mean, I've been, as an Arsenal fan, saying, please let him go, let him, <laughs> let him hope come to a place like Arsenal in that. Um, obviously, Sterling got on the score sheet as well and uh, Stones and Sonny, but I think a big point in the game as well was when Falcao uh, missed that penalty. It was a, a rather poor penalty, to say the least. He missed his penalty quite early on in the game and could have taken um, Monica up to, to make it 3-1 at one stage, and uh, yeah, he, he unfortunately missed that penalty, and it seemed like it cost him in the end, even though he did manage to, to end with the two goals, but yeah, I think it's still going to be a tough ask for Monaco, even at home, to make up that two-goal deficit. Even though they have got the three away goals, City will feel confident going into the second leg um, with those with the two-goal um, advantage in their favour. And they just know that they need to get a couple of away goals, and then they're, they're probably through. Yeah, absolutely. In the other game, uh, by Leverkusen and Atletico Madrid, um, I don't think there were too many surprises to see Atletico Madrid walking away. And I wouldn't like to say that that tie is completely over, but Atletico Madrid getting four away goals, and a two-goal advantage to take uh, when they go back home in the second leg. I think Bayer Leverkusen will do extremely well to, to, to even get a victory at Atletico Madrid with the way that they're playing at the moment. And I, I, like I said, I don't want to jinx them, but I'd kind of maybe say that that tie is pretty much over between Atletico Madrid and Bayer Leverkusen um, because, like I say, the, the four away goals and the two-goal advantage just seem to to be probably too much for Bayer Leverkusen in, in the home leg. Yeah, they've got a, they've got an absolute mountain to climb. Let's touch on tonight's fixture. It, fixture's in, interesting one. A team who's really struggling at home, uh, defending uh, English champions Leicester City uh, in the league. They've been dismal to to say the least, but they've had a pretty good European campaign. Uh, they they're away to Sevilla tonight. And I don't want to say that uh, they'll fancy their chances, but, uh, I mean, this is the best they've played all season is, is in Europe, and you never know. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, like you said, they've been so poor in the Premier League, um, and, and they're out of every other competition, so they're not in the FA Cup anymore. They're out of the EFL Cup, obviously, with the final coming up on Sunday. So they don't really have anything else to impress their fans with. They're kind of fighting for survival. And then again, you've got to kind of ask the question, do they really want to go through and, and make it through to the next round of the Champions League? You, as a Leicester City fan, what, what is more important to you? I mean, you've got to ask yourself, as a Leicester City fan, do you really think you've got a team that could win the Champions League this season? I, I really, really can't see them beating the likes of a Bayern Munich or a Barcelona or a Real Madrid kind of team, or even at Letzko Madrid, uh, if it came to that. Um, so you kind of wonder if they should just... Uh, give it what they've got tonight, and that, but not be too concerned about it. I, I think that they need to be fighting more for 
uh, the Premier League and trying to stay up. I mean, it's crazy to think that this time last season they were they were starting to to run away with the league and that, and everybody was starting to believe that they were going to win the league. And now it seems crazy to think that they're fighting for survival. And <laughs> to me, like I say, I, I feel like their preference should be more towards the Premier League, and they don't need more added games on by progressing through to the next round of the Champions League because I just feel, and, and it's kind of how I felt as an Arsenal fan for a long time. It's good. You kind of question what is the point of actually continuously going through each round of the Champions League when you know that you don't have a team that's good enough to actually win the Champions League. And I think we have to be fair that Leicester City are probably far short of what you need in a team to, to win the Champions League. So all it's going to do by progressing is potentially give them more games, more uh, injuries that they could potentially get from some of their players that they need, the likes of Vardy and Mares and that. So it could just be unnecessary pressure that Leicester City really don't need at the moment in their fight to stay up in the Premier League. But Having said that, um, I think they, to be honest with you, I think Leicester City are going to go there and just want to make sure that they don't embarrass themselves completely. Um, I don't really know if they're looking to get anything out of this, uh, this particular stage of the competition. I just think that they want to make sure that they're not embarrassed. Um, the way that Arsenal were last week against Bayern Munich, they don't want something like that. If they could kind of maybe still be in it after tonight and in the second leg, even if they're one or two goals down, um, I, I think that they just want to do themselves, uh, uh, just make sure that they do their, themselves and the supporters uh, proud tonight and, and don't get thrashed. That's probably what I'd reckon that um, they've got in mind. Um, I reckon Sevilla are probably going to be able to beat them. But like I say, you never know in this competition. Away goals count so much and count in your favour, and they obviously are away tonight. So if they could walk away with, even if they lost maybe 3-2 or something like that, they've got that two away goals that could really help them out at home. But yeah, I think they're just they're going to be playing for five tonight, and they're going to try and make sure that they don't don't get beaten too badly and don't have an embarrassing loss tonight. Well, you could have got five thousand to one odds on them uh, winning the league at the start of last season. I wonder what odds you could get of them winning the Champions League <laughs> and going down in in uh, yeah. the Premiership in the same season. I'm sure you'd get wider odds than that. But yeah, that's interesting. Well, the other game tonight, Porta up against Juventus. Uh, Justin Turin, thank you so much for your time this evening. Much appreciated, uh, and enjoy the footy tonight. Thanks, Brad. You too. SAFM Sports Wrap. That's about it for SAFM Sports Wrap tonight. Uh, thank you so much for listening. There is some momentum One Day Cup uh, cricket action taking place uh, as we speak as well. Just a quick uh, score update on that one. Uh, looking at the clash between the Cat Cobras and the Warriors. The Cobras batting first, 319 for six uh, in their 50. That at Buffalo Park in East London. In reply, the Warriors 69 for three off 12 and a half overs. They need another 250 runs with seven wickets in hand. Coming up, on the other side of 7 o'clock, it is the talk shop with uh, Naledi Maleo. Make sure you stay tuned for that. I'll be back again on Monday, taking a weekend off, uh, heading up to KZN to uh, run the Old Mutual Wild Series. Uh, Carcliffe, the three cranes, uh, 100 Ks over three days. So it should be a, a fantastic weekend. I'll tell you all about it uh, next week, but I'll be back on your radio on Monday. John Herrick are going to be standing in for me on PM Live and Dwayne DeLocker on SAFM Sports Wrap. So for myself and my producer, Siobhan Tetti, this evening, thank you so much for listening. It is 7 o'clock in time for your news.